how to escape your country with your freedom and your wealth. We've been telling you this day might be coming for a decade now, but the last two years in particular has seen more people than ever say, I want to escape, or I at least want an escape plan. And today I'm going to give you all the criteria that you may need to consider if you're planning on escaping your country with your freedom and your wealth. So obviously everyone's criteria are individual. That's what we help our clients do. We have hundreds of questions that we'll ask them. But today I'm going to give you some of the basic criteria that we'll walk them through and things that we advise them on when it comes to escaping your country or preparing to escape your country. Plan A is I'm ready to go now. Plan B is I'll leave when things get bad enough. My caution always is better years too early than a day too late. At least have your insurance plan set up because if you look over the course of even my lifetime, when I was born in 1984, United States, best place to be born, according to the people who did that study. When they eventually stopped doing that study, the U.S. was nowhere near number one. And I imagine there's many more places to be born today than the U.S. Not that it's the worst place, but it's far from the best. And so if you just look at the trajectory of many Western countries in the last 10, 20, 30 years, they've been going in the wrong direction. The culture, the taxes, the freedom... They've all been going against you. And so I wouldn't wait until one more thing happens because things probably already have gotten bad enough. But nevertheless, it's okay to have a backup plan. My goal is that you're going to leave really before it's too late. Uh, if it's your first time here, I'm Andrew Henderson, founder of Nomad Capitalist. We're a boutique consulting firm that helps seven and eight figure entrepreneurs and investors legally go where you are treated best. And you can learn everything that entails at nomadcapitalist.com. We also host the biggest and best offshore event called Nomad Capitalist Live, open to everybody. So um, one thing I think is important to consider when you're escaping your country is you're probably going to dip a toe in. You're probably going to take things one step at a time. When I first started doing this years ago, I started traveling and exploring a lot of different places to feel comfortable being in different environments and to see, hey, I can survive here. No one's going to stab me in the back. No one's going to rob me in broad daylight. You know, people are still nice other places. I can still function in other places. So you've got to get over that. There's plenty of places where you can go. There's 252 countries and territories in the world, and you can pick a one if, if it's, you know, I want them to speak English, if I want cold weather or hot weather, you know, whatever it is that you want. You can also pick a number of different countries to go so that things never get boring. But chances are you're not going to move your entire life all at once, okay? And so what I would have always advise people is, how do I get started to where I build that confidence so that I can continue growing in my offshore journey? Even if you don't like using banks that much, get an offshore bank account. You can go to countries like Georgia, like Ecuador, if you were able to get a, a long-term residence permit because you have some kind of you know investment or basic business interest or just an interest in checking out business. A country like Cambodia would give you a permit. You can open bank accounts there. You can open bank accounts there with as little as you know, a couple of bucks. If you have more money, you can put in 10, 50, 100, 200 grand. You can go to countries ranging from Caribbean countries to the Caribbean to countries in Western Europe. Um, there's lots of different options. But get a bank account with a mouth that you just feel comfortable with. If you are a U.S. taxpayer or you live in any number of other Western countries, you may have to report that if it's over a certain amount. So make sure that you comply with those. And that's obviously something that we would tell people uh, to do if you worked with us. So find a way to get a bank account. And maybe you go around using the debit card. All right, do that. Number two, uh, find a place that you can uh, travel to. Find multiple places you can travel to and start exploring. Okay, Get comfortable. If you have more money, maybe you buy a property somewhere. And maybe you start to spend uh, seven days, 14 days, 30 days a year, all summer in that property. And if that property qualifies for residence or citizenship, whether it's you know Turkey citizenship by investment program, St. Kitts, a citizenship by investment program, don't really recommend their real estate option in the Caribbean. Um, if you do a golden visa in Europe, you know, get a property, get comfortable. OK, 
Okay, uh, so most people are not going to leave their country on day one. If you are trying to reduce taxes on your business and you've got a business that can be run offshore, let's say a, a consulting company or a software company or anything that's not tied to the ground, even if it is tied to the ground, you can potentially move part of it offshore. Um, if you want to do that, you're going to have to move. But if you're just trying to protect yourself and you want to be able to escape your country with your freedom and your wealth because you don't like the trajectory that things in your country are going, basically just you know start off doing as many things as you can to start feeling comfortable because you have to get yourself out of that habit that everybody is like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to put my money in Georgia. You know, people people make fun of me. Oh, I'm not investing in this guy invests in Cambodia. Yeah, I do invest in Cambodia. It is a very very small percentage of my net worth, and it's one of the best yields in my portfolio. And when I first started, it would have been like, ooh, that's kind of scary. So find something you're comfortable with, right? Even if it's buying a cheap property. One of the first properties I bought overseas cost $22,000. I paid in cash. I don't mean I didn't get a mortgage. I mean I paid in cash, cold, hard cash. Take the cash out of the bank, walk down the street with a black belt in karate. Wasn't necessary, by the way, but just, just for fun. And pay the guy in cash, okay? And it taught me a lesson. Like, hey, everything worked out fine. Right, and so your twenty-two thousand might be five hundred and twenty-two thousand, but you've got to figure out what's comfortable for you and do that. So that's the first thing: is get comfortable in advance, because better years too early than a day too late. If you're waiting until oh my god, the sky is falling, and then you've got to suddenly move everything overseas, not only are you not going to have the infrastructure to do that, but you're not going to have the stomach to do it. And what's going to happen? You're just going to sit there and say, oh well, I guess things are going to get worse. Let's be honest: things have gotten bad enough. I'll leave when things get bad enough means I'm not comfortable enough yet to leave. I'm not here to judge you because you know what? There was a time when I was uncomfortable to leave and I had to follow the exact same advice that I'm telling you. And so I didn't have Nomad Capitalist. I didn't have videos. I didn't have you know a service that could help me do this. So it took me longer than it should take you. But you've got to get comfortable. Now, one of the things that people mention if they come from Canada, Australia, uh, Western Europe, US, is I'm concerned about the government doing something to my money. I'm concerned about civil asset forfeiture. I'm concerned about the U.S. government dipping into my account or the California Franchise Tax Board or look at what happened with the truckers protest in Canada or bail-in laws in Australia if the banks have a problem. Um, now, you have to ask yourself, how much do you really distrust the financial system? I get it. People like to talk about all the problems. And if you're a smart person, you're, you're going to be you know, cautious about risks. But what's the real risk? Okay. The average person I'm talking to in Canada does not want to move every dollar out. Some do, okay, but most do not because deep down they still have some trust in the system. Okay, If you were leaving Iraq, you'd probably take all your money to Iraq and you'd take it wherever you went. If you're leaving Canada, you're welcome to think you should take every dollar, but most folks aren't. By the way, that's okay, but you've got to also figure out how much money can I put overseas to where I'm going to feel comfortable. Maybe something happens to my account. And by the way, we're not talking about avo uh, avoiding laws. We want to play it straight. I'm the goody two-shoes of the offshore world. I'm going to tell you to follow all the laws, follow all the tax requirements, pay all your taxes. If you want to lower your taxes, come with me and live overseas and do it legally. But you never know what could happen. You saw it in Cyprus. We've seen it in Poland. We see people in the U.S. having money taken out of their account. It even happened to me. It was a misunderstanding. It took me a long time to get it fixed. But you want to know what percentage of your wealth do you feel comfortable putting overseas? Do you want to get one big bank account in Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Singapore, or someone else? Uh, do you want to get a big bank account somewhere that you're going to get a residence permit? Let's say you get a residence permit somewhere in Western Europe, you can get a bank account. Or let's say you get a residence permit in a country in the Gulf, uh, you know, Bahrain, the UAE, whatever, by starting a company or buying a piece of property. You can get a bank account there. 
How, do you want to put it in one big bank account, in a big strong bank? Or do you want to diversify a bunch of, a lot of, a lot of little small banks? Maybe you want to do some of both, right? Maybe you want one big million dollar investment account where the bank manages your money for you and helps you invest, even if you're an American. And maybe you want a couple of little small accounts, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. If you think a thousand dollars, if something happens to your money in your country, a thousand dollars is not going to help you start your life over, okay? So I'm not telling you what to do. But you're probably going to be committing more than $1,000 once you get comfortable, okay? If you've got a million dollars to your name, you can figure out what percentage, but it probably shouldn't be 1% if you don't trust your country that much and you're talking about escaping. So what clients will often do when they're leaving their country is they're going to close their bank accounts in many cases. Americans don't necessarily have that restriction, but if you want to reduce your taxes, which if you're going to leave anyway, why not reduce your taxes and move from the Canadian tax system to the UAE tax system, the Caymans tax system, or the Panamanian tax system, or the Thailand tax system, or you know, even some Western European countries have great tax incentives for foreigners. Uh, and so you can reduce your taxes. Why not close those bank accounts if that's required? But if you're talking about escaping with your wealth, you probably don't want to leave all your wealth behind. And so you want to have infrastructure overseas now. Again, bank accounts from $1 up to multi-millions of dollars. But you want to set this up in advance. You want to move some money. You want to be using them. And then you want to probably, you know, raise the amount of money that you're putting in there over time um, to where it actually serves from more than just conditioning you to feel comfortable to actually feeling like, okay, I actually have a backup plan. If you want to be more advanced, you can set up an offshore trust. Uh, and again, maybe reporting requirements, for example, in the U.S., you've got to report offshore trusts. Uh, for some folks, asset protection may be just a foreign corporation, either a holding company or you want to move your business offshore. If you live in you know, the United States, for example, and your business is in a Hong Kong company, Sure, you may have some asset protection benefits, there may be some structuring benefits, but you're not going to save tax because you're going to be taxed in the U.S. as if it's a, it's a local company because you need to be overseas. But hey, it may be beneficial to structure it that way now to enjoy the benefit and then later move. But you want to be gradually building up your offshore structures uh, and more importantly, building up your bank accounts. Because what people will do is they'll come and they'll say, I'm sick and tired of Australia. I hate the place. It's going to pot. I don't know what's going to happen next. They're going crazy. I own six rental properties. I'm willing to sell none of them. And I say, well, it doesn't really sound like you want to escape with your wealth and your freedom. It sounds like you're still married to Australia. I refer you back to the first strategy. Sell one rental property if you can. That's just one idea. Uh, and buy something somewhere else. You can probably get a higher yield somewhere else. And it may even be legally non-reportable in your country that you may not even have to disclose that. Now, if you're living in your country, you probably have to pay tax on the income that you're generating overseas, subject to whatever you're paying uh, in that actual country. But the point is, don't want to escape your country with your wealth and your freedom and then never sell anything. Close bank accounts, sell rental properties. Um, some people right now with prices on homes sky high and starting to, to crack are selling their home, pocketing the equity, uh, putting that money into their bank account, buying a, a second home overseas. And so they're going to rent basically in their own country and then they're going to buy a property somewhere else where they can get residence or citizenship to uh, then have that property. And so... Uh, if you can sell your house and make half a million bucks, you can go to a lot of, you can go to Georgia, you can go to Portugal, you can go to a lot of places and buy property. Um, and that may come with residence or citizenship. And then let that property be rented out, for example, until you're ready to move there. Okay, so closing bank accounts, opening new ones, do it to get comfortable and then move more money over uh, if that's what you feel comfortable doing. Same thing with investments. Um, so whether it's rental properties, whether it's stocks. Um, let's say that you live in Canada or Australia or any Western tax country where you can escape the tax system once you move. Why not look at having a bank account in a place like Singapore, which has access to more uh, investments in Singapore where there's no dividend tax, 
you can invest in stuff that throws off. Let's say if you're a dividend investor, get dividend yields. You may pay tax where you live on that now, but if you eventually leave your country, if you escape the country in the future, you can live in a tax-friendly country and not pay tax on that dividend income. So you're basically setting it up again to get comfortable. You have the bank account set up in a country like Singapore to where you're diversifying your assets. You've probably got a stronger bank where your money is potentially more safe if you trust bank ratings. Singaporean banks are in the top 15 in the world, on the big three of them. And so you could throw a couple hundred grand in one of those banks. And if you're not an American, generally speaking, you can invest some of that money. Again, those investments may be taxed, but when you leave your country, it wouldn't be taxed. You're setting up the infrastructure to where you already have investments that are tax-friendly for when you leave. And so you want to be planning uh, for what taxes are going to look like. If you can move your business offshore, again, staying in your high-tax country, business offshore is generally going to be taxed in your country in most conditions. Uh, and so you're not going to get any tax savings. People think, oh, I'll just leave and do a board meeting in Belize, or I'll do a board meeting in the UAE once a year, and I'll keep living in Canada, the U.S. It doesn't work that way, okay? Um, but if you can be moving stuff overseas um, and planning to reduce the tax so that things are ready, again, have things ready for when you move, okay? Now, what are your freedom concerns? Let's, that's your wealth. Let's talk about your freedom. What could happen? I hear people talking about, what if they don't renew my passport? I hear people talking about, what if I can't leave my country? We saw that in some countries. You couldn't leave and you couldn't come in. Is that the kind of country you're going to be tethered to? The U.S., you had a bit more flexibility. Uh, but yet, if you wanted to give up your citizenship in order to, for whatever reason, you just were sick of them during the pandemic, you were tired of not getting the services that you're paying for while living overseas even, uh, they were, for the most part, closed during the last two years. Now, there were places that were open. It was possible. Don't believe the media in places like Germany where it's totally impossible. It was possible but it required more effort, and they made it a lot more difficult. And so if you have a concern that your country may keep you in at some point, uh, then you probably want to have that second residence permit. That's why getting a bank account somewhere, having a property somewhere is a good thing because there are some countries where just putting uh, $10,000, $50,000, $60,000 in the bank. Look at Costa Rica, for example. Put some money in the bank, get a residence permit. Uh, look at Colombia, look at, uh, you know, Georgia, look at, uh, Thailand, uh, look at a lot of places, Greece, um, you know, Portugal, buy a property, get a residence permit. It could lead to citizenship in some cases. Buy a property in Turkey, get citizenship now, right? And so you want to have the infrastructure ready to go if freedom gets worse. One thing I, you know, you want to do is read the tea leaves. What could they possibly do? When we've had people coming and saying, you know, I want to be prepared for any kind of black swan event. The best thing to do in that case, if you're concerned your country is going to you know, try and stop you from leaving, is to already be out again before it's too late. People come and say, well, if I'm a dual citizen, can I get out of my country? Well, they may really not view you as a dual citizen. Even though they allow you to have dual citizenship, they may say, well, as long as you are here in our country, we view you as our citizen, therefore you're subject to the same restrictions as everyone else. And so what you want to do is be able to read the tea leaves and be ahead of the game and already have that passport set up, already have a place to go where you have a residence permit or citizenship. So let's say that you uh, want to have freedom, that if your country won't renew your passport or makes it difficult, or hey, let's say on the, free, on the wealth side, they want to start taxing you no matter where you live. You've got a citizenship in the Caribbean, for example. Dominica, St. Lucia, St. Kitts and Nevis, whatever. That's going to take you a matter of months if you start now. Do the paperwork. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to visit the country. They'll send you the passport. You send them a donation. And so now you've got a passport that you can get other residence permits on. Now you can go to a country. Let's just say you, uh, 
uh, you like the Balkans. A lot of folks we've talked to who are freedom-minded in the last couple of years have liked the idea of Serbia, Montenegro. They think, hey, it's the benefits of Europe, but not the European Union. Uh, they were rather tame in terms of, like, it's just, it's just more open in terms of fewer regulations, fewer restrictions than uh, a lot of places in Europe, but they still have that European uh, vibe. And so go and buy uh, a property in Serbia. Go and you know start a company in Montenegro, in 9% tax Montenegro. Do that and then get your residence permit on the other passport potentially. Or get it on your current passport, that's easier, and then switch it over later if they allow you to do that. And now, even if you can't use your current passport or something happens, there's a war, who knows what could happen, and your current passport is not as advantageous, you can travel there as, let's say, a St. Lucian. And you have access to, as a resident, uh, as a St. Lucian. And so uh, you can have a property there. In Serbia, you buy any property, you get a residence permit. Uh, Montenegro, they made it renewed if you don't really live there, so that's not as good if you're not living there. Albania could work, especially if you're an American. Uh, a lot of countries, you buy a property, you get a residence, and you really don't need to spend, uh, in some cases, one day, in some cases, a few months. Uh, there's lots of different options, obviously. But you want to have a place where you can go, and you want to be ahead of the game in terms of freedom, uh, in terms of what they're going to crack down on. Um, and that applies to, to, to wealth and, and to financial issues as well. When countries roll out new taxes, they often give you a year's notice. They've worked their way through the legislature, and sometimes they'll even, they'll even say, hey, we're putting this bill in, and if it passes, it's going to be retroactive today. So you have no time to prepare, or you might have a couple weeks to prepare. So you want to have your second citizenship ready. You want to have your second residence ready. You want to have a tax plan ready that, hey, if I want to leave my country, I've got to do this, this, and this. And so it may be a matter of you've got three bank accounts in your country. Maybe one bank account's enough. Why don't you consolidate into that one bank account? And so a lot of folks, I know folks in the U.S., they say, oh, I, I have $250,000 FDIC insurance, and so I spread it out among a couple of accounts. Well, if you take the money that's spread out among the accounts that are not your, your first account, and you put that in foreign banks, again, you may need to legally report that. Um, but if you were to put that overseas, then you don't really need to have the multiple accounts in the U.S. anymore. Now, the U.S. is not really the, account, the country where you need to close your accounts, but let's say the same thing in Canada. Maybe you've spread out your accounts among Canada because you just don't want to have all your, your eggs in one basket. Have one basket in Canada and have two baskets in other countries. And the benefit of, let's say, having your money in Singapore, just as a random example, is you don't live in Singapore. And so whatever issues that Canada or Australia or whoever might have with you, uh, Singapore is not likely to have those with you because you're not there. Right, And so whatever your thoughts on Singapore, you don't live there. It's kind of a different dynamic than living in Canada, banking in Canada. Now it's banking in Singapore, living somewhere else. Again, you want to play by the rules, but you don't have the same kind of contact with the place where you're just banking. Don't bank where you live necessarily. Bank in the best place to bank. Be a citizen in the best place to be a citizen. Uh, and live in the best place to live through a residence permit. And so uh, if you do that, you will be ready to leave at any time. But what I would really encourage you to do is to not wait until things get bad enough, okay? Think about this stuff, build your infrastructure, dip, uh, dip your toes in, get more and more comfortable. Go and explore some places. We make a list for folks about if they're doing a plan B. Here's five places that are low tax, pro-freedom, uh, allow homeschooling, uh, have good weather, um, have residence permits that you can renew with only spending six months a year, or, or year. And hey, here's your four or five places to check out. And go spend a month. And maybe it takes you two years to check them out. Um, but you'll see which ones you like. 
And then once you're ready, then we can get your residence permit. But hey, let's get your bank account set up. Let's get the trust set up. Uh, let's get the corporate structure set up for being able to move the business. Let's get the second citizenship, right? You can do all those things that I just mentioned without knowing where you're going to go. Because the second citizenship probably shouldn't be in the country where you're actually going to live. The residence, you can get numerous residence permits and use that. So for example, if you want, if you have $285,000 to put in the bank in Thailand or you want to buy a property in Thailand, um, you can get residence in Thailand. You need to spend one day per year there, basically, uh, to renew that. Uh, it's not going to lead to citizenship, but it's a tax-friendly place that you can live with great weather. And um, you know, for some folks, it may be closer to home. Others, it may not. Uh, but you, if you do that, if you're looking for a place to park money to begin with, put some money there. Again, many other countries that have different options, but that's just one example. You can put your money there, and then if you decide you like it, great, you can stay. I maintain numerous residence permits in countries that I don't live in, but I like them having them as backups. If I had to live in Dubai, it would hardly be the worst life. It's not my first choice. I'd rather live in Kuala Lumpur uh, in terms of you know that kind of place. But I hold UAE residence because I like it, and I think it'd be a great place to keep in my back pocket. It offers me other business benefits for my business. I can hire employees there. I can do a whole bunch of stuff, right? And so try and find ways where strategies overlap. If you can get a residence permit in Thailand because you already wanted to open a bank account and $285,000 is an acceptable amount and you feel comfortable with the risk of one of the big you know, couple of banks in Thailand, then you're killing a couple of birds with one stone there. And even if you don't decide Thailand's not your place, it's an option in your back pocket. You could go there. There's much worse things than living in Thailand. Same thing, if you've got a company and you want to start moving your business offshore, or you've got a holding company, whatever, start that in the UAE. Get the residence permit. Go there once uh, every six months or so. Keep that active. Again, you're, you're really not going to work towards citizenship, but you're opening up a host of other benefits. If you've got employees you want to offshore, now you've got a place to offer them to go in most of the free zones that you can incorporate. Right? You can get bank accounts in the UAE on a business level, uh, as well as more easily on a personal level if you have a residence there. And so try and find strategies where you can kind of get a couple different things going. The infrastructure is the first thing I'm going to build if you're not planning on leaving right away. If you are planning on leaving right away, of course, you want to figure out the financial part right away. Uh, but otherwise, I would figure out what are my five top places. I'm going to explore those places. And depending on how much money I'm willing to put into this, I'm going to you know, start setting up residences or even citizenships in some of those places where I may want to live now. Again, you know, if I ever decided I really don't want to live in Thailand, I could always close the bank account, take my $285,000 back. Uh, and put the money somewhere else, and they just will stop renewing my residence permit. Uh, but if you have that money to put there, why not open up the optionality now? So you're preparing for numerous different black swan events, and they're called black swans because you may not always know what they are. Did you see uh, the incidents of the last couple of years coming? No. And I don't know that you'll see the, the issues of the next couple of years coming, which is why having multiple residences, at least one second citizenship, I think preferably having two second citizenships, uh, having bank accounts, uh, having some investments overseas, having a legal structure to hold that or potentially to hold your business. These are all things that you want to be doing so that you're ready to escape your country whenever the moment comes, whether that's tomorrow or a year from now or maybe never. But you know what? You will probably not lose much sleep once you dip your toe in and once you start to feel comfortable. You'll probably not lose much sleep knowing that instead of having your money in a second bank in the United States, now your money's sitting in a bank in Singapore because chances are when you start doing things intentionally, you're going to choose a bank that ranks more highly on bank safety ratings. You're going to choose a citizenship that actually scores more highly on our Nomad Passport Index. You're going to choose things that work for you rather than choosing the default. And so once you feel comfortable with the idea of being international, it's all smooth sailing from there.